You guys can be seated if you want to pray with me. Dear Father, Lord, uh, Lord, how amazing is it, Lord, that we get to gather here this morning. We get to praise you. We're just so thankful that, uh, that we can come and do that, Lord. And Lord, while we're here together, Lord, as a church, God, we want to we pray for our city right now, for the city of Sacramento. Lord, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of anger going on in our city. And Lord, we want to be a church that prays for our city, Lord, and we want to lift this city up to you, Lord, knowing that you are the bringer of hope. You are the bringer of peace. Lord, we want to ask that you be with our city council members as they're approaching a big day here. We ask that you just give them divine wisdom on to handle the situation at hand, God. And most of all, we just ask for your supernatural peace to bless this city. And we pray this, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Zach. How you guys doing good this morning? We got, got a full house today. How you guys doing? All right, good. I need to hear some energy. You guys, if you guys don't know who I am, I'm Zach. I'm the youth pastor here. So we're going to have fun this morning. Does that sound good? All right, good. That's the energy I like. Um, well, like I said, I have, I'm the youth pastor. I've loved uh, my time so far um, that I've got to be here at Adventure. Um, we've had a bunch of exciting stuff happening in our youth ministry. Shout out to Riot and Uprising, who's with us this morning. You can give it up for them. Um, we just went on an awesome winter retreat. We went up to Emigrant Gap. Um, you can see the picture here. We had um, just tons of fun, tons of snow. We had about four feet of snow, which was, um, you know, made it fun, you know, trying to drive up there. But once we were there, it was awesome. Snowball fights, um, great worship, cabin talks. Um, it was just a really fun time. We also got Hume Lake coming up this summer. Has anyone been to Hume Lake or know what Hume Lake is? All right. If you guys know what it is, it's literally like the best camp ever, okay? And so we are going there this summer, June 10th through the 16th, so we're excited about that, taking middle school and high school there. Um, we got some amazing stuff coming up after Easter. We just had an amazing dodgeball tournament last Sunday, which was so fun. Everyone had fun. Only one bloody nose. And we had a couple people accept Jesus. So, you know, that's a great night. And so it was fun. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just truly blessed to be, to be around all of this. I'm truly blessed to be a part of this. Because when you start to see students really start to take ownership of their faith, there's so much zeal, and there's so much excitement, there's so much passion in it. Rightfully so, right? When, you, when you're coming into contact with God, right, the God of the universe, and being filled with his Holy Spirit, it's a fulfilling thing, and it's, it's, a, it's a contagious passion to be a part of it. And so really, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're in this series for the past couple of weeks called Building a Life Worth Living, right? We all want that, right? We all want to build a life worth living. And so this week, we're talking about how to set passion in motion in your life, how to set passion in motion. And could we be real here for a, sec- real here for a second? Or could we be real? Passion is something everyone wants, but if we're honest, it's something not everyone has, right? Passion is something everyone wants, but not everyone has. And really what I think, what I think the biggest killer, what, what snuffs out passion more than anything else, I think is unmet expectations, right? I think unmet expectations will kill your passion faster than anything. Right? Take, for example, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, maybe you start dating someone or you get married, right? And it's exciting. It's fun. There's passion. It's great. You know, you guys think you're the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know, you're, you're calling yourself Brangelina. Your names aren't even anything close to that. 
Only thing better than that, I guess, is Zangelina. You know, that's my wife's name, you know. So you could try to be. But, you know, that's, that's where we're at. And it's fun, right? At the beginning of marriage, you have these expectations for how great it's going to be. And you have passion and everything is great. But, you know, for me, for me and my wife, we've been blessed enough to have enough marriage counseling and to be go to marriage conferences to know that, you know, storms will hit your marriage. Tough times will come, and when that happens, sometimes your expectations stop being met, and then all of a sudden, you start to lose your passion in the relationship. Or even, here's another example. Um, most of us have grown up here in America. Anyone not from America? You know, not grow up here? Born and raised? A couple people? All right. First service from reason, I'm like, welcome. Like, like I, don't, I have no idea how long you've been here, so won't say that this time, but <laughs> right? For, for even no matter how long you've been here... Um, Right, culture has kind of imprinted on us this desire for America for the success of the American dream. Right, that culture has kind of imprinted that on us. Right, we all want to have um, you know a six-figure income or more. We all want that nice car, nice house, great marriage, you know, great two point five kids, and a job that doesn't feel like a job because it's a passion. And you know, and achieving all that in life is very possible. And if you do, that's, it's, it's an awesome experience. But for a lot of us, if any single one of those variables gets taken away, all of a sudden we can feel like our life is, is a failure and we start to lose passion in what we're doing in life. And life without passion is miserable. right? Unmet expectations kill passion. And a life without passion is, is miserable. And so I know that's kind of a Debbie Downer, I know, but don't worry. I promise you, when you leave this morning, you are going to feel encouraged. And um, no, really, no matter, no matter what you are going through, no matter where you are at in life, you can set passion in motion in your life. And so um, to kind of look at that, how we're going to learn how to set passion in motion in our lives, we're going to be looking at the story of Palm Sunday. You guys know today's Palm Sunday, right? Churches across everywhere are celebrating Palm Sunday and um, just to put school in session just for a quick second to make sure we're all on the same page for why today's called Palm Sunday, why it's so significant, why we're going to look at it. If you guys are on spring break, it's going to be short. Don't worry. I know you guys, aren't in, you guys are on break from school. But here, here, here's why we call it Palm Sunday, and here's why it's so significant for us learning how to set passion in motion. Right in the Old Testament, we read that Moses was sent by God to tell the Pharaoh of Egypt to set the Hebrew people free. Remember, let my people go, right? You guys remember that rhyme? Okay, best you're ever going to hear me sing. So he goes there, and Pharaoh's like, nah, I'm not doing it. And so what God does, he sends down a bunch of um, plagues on the Egyptian people and all the people of the land to convince Pharaoh's mind otherwise. And the last plague that comes is what's known as the angel of death. And it was going to come and take, um, take the lives of all the firstborns. And so the only way to be spared from this was to take a lamb, to sacrifice the lamb and use its blood to go on the door, and that would allow the angel of death to pass over you. And so God, so once they do this, God tells his people to practice this every year in remembrance of what he saved them from. So here's what we read in Exodus, talking about that. It says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And you skip ahead to verse 5. It says, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then it says in verse 14, It says, This is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. And so this festival got known as what is called Passover, because this was for them to remember when death passed over them. Passover. You get it? Connection? Cool. 
Passover. And so this was a really big deal. And this is where we're finding ourselves when we're, when we're talking about Palm Sunday. And so we're going to look at Matthew 21 today. For anyone that brought your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew 21. And um, at this point in Jesus' story, he's heading into Jerusalem with his disciples to celebrate Passover. And this was a really big deal, right? Jerusalem, um, historians say, was normally occupied by about 30,000 people. It's believed during Passover, the city would swell to over 150,000 people, right? Jews from all over the world were coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Everyone was bringing their lambs. People were buying their lambs in the city so they could all sacrifice them in order to properly celebrate Passover. And so here's where we find ourselves in Matthew 21, um, verse 7, with Jesus coming in to Jerusalem um, during Passover. So here's what it says. Beginning in verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the roads. Believe there are palm branches, hence they laid them on the road, hence Palm Sunday. Okay, you guys got it? Cool. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So here comes Jesus, and he's riding in on a donkey. And really, he's riding in on a baby donkey, on a colt. Right? You read that, we read in the other Gospels, it just says a colt, right? A, a baby donkey. And people are shouting and yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David. And this is, this is a really big deal. Hosanna, right, means glory, right? Glory to the son of David. When they were yelling this, they were acknowledging Jesus as their king. They were acknowledging Jesus as the, the promised Messiah that was to come. They were, they were welcoming in Jesus as their king. But their praises for him were in vain because they were praising him out of a, out of a false expectation for who they thought Jesus was going to be. And they were setting themselves up for their expectation to not get met on who they thought Jesus would be. Right? For, for them, they thought their promised Messiah was going to be a conqueror. They thought he was going to be like this military leader who was going to liberate their people, who was going to overthrow um, the Roman government and set their people free and establish Jerusalem as like the reigning kingdom. And so, yes, Jesus was the promised Messiah. Yes, he was coming to establish a kingdom. And he was a conqueror for his people who would set his people free. But he was coming to do it in a way that no one expected. And he was coming for much bigger plans than to just save Jerusalem. We know that he was coming to save the world. And they didn't realize that on this day of Passover, when they were ushering in their Messiah, when they were yelling, Hosanna, they didn't realize that they were actually selecting the unblemished lamb to be sacrificed. And so Jesus, right, the Savior, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Christ was making his entrance. And this was the first time that Jesus was actually like acknowledging himself as the Messiah, like, yes, I am the King, here I am. Right? We, read, we read in previous, uh, in, in Mark and everywhere previous, Jesus, every time he did miracles or anything cool, he was always like, shh, don't tell anyone, my time hasn't come yet. But this was the first time where Jesus was walking in and he was welcoming in the praises. He was allowing them to praise him. He was pretty much saying, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am your king. But he was riding in on a donkey, on a baby donkey. 
right? To put it in perspective for us a little bit, let's say uh, maybe you were a kid and your favorite president was coming to town and the president's coming in, he's coming into Natomas and you're excited, the whole city's excited, he's going to have a big old presidential parade, everyone is coming in to watch it, here comes the parade, you're there in the front row watching it and you see the president coming down and you, all you hear is, er, 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 er. he's on a little baby tricycle. <laughs> You'd be like, this is awesome, but that's really weird. <laughs> Right? Maybe like, I guess he's a humble guy. I don't know, right? That's, what, that's the only thing you could think. Right? This is what it was like to see, like, yes, our king is here, but he's on a baby donkey. And it's, and it's really significant. This is where we're going to be placing our focus on this morning. The fact that Jesus came in on a donkey. Has anyone ever, like, ridden a donkey? Just curious. A couple, couple people. Okay, okay, nice. I've never actually ridden a donkey myself. I have got the chance to ride horses um, three times. The first time I was, uh, let's see, I was probably about 16 or 17, I was on a mission trip with my church in Thailand, and I got to ride horses on the beaches of Thailand. The second time I was, uh, I think I was 18, and I was with my family on a vacation in Cabo, and I got to ride horses on the beaches of Cabo. And the third time I was, um, just recently, I was on my honeymoon, and I got to ride horses in the jungles of Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, sounds good, right? Sounds like it'd be all fun? No. (laughs) I don't know what, I'm 6'4", right? I'm a pretty big guy. I don't, know, I don't know if God just likes playing jokes on me. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, I always get stuck with like the smallest, littlest, most pathetic, mangy, you know, sick horse. The first time was the worst. I was in Thailand. My feet were like not even kidding, like this high above the ground. And so I'm trying to ride the horses. All my friends are like galloping on stallions. You know, it's all great. Um, recently in, in, in Puerto Vallarta, at least I got a little bigger horse, but the way it worked is we were all, we and the group people we were with were all lined up. So the people would come and bring the horses out and they called all the ladies to come down first and pick their horses. So me and the other guys are standing there and the guys are bringing out the horse and they just point to you to who's going to come down and get a horse. And around the corner comes this, again, mangy looking, you know, eyes watering, sick, sad looking horse. And I just get a bad feeling. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and all the guys are like, I don't want that one. And of course, he points to me, says, come down. I'm like, oh, man. So I go down there. I get on the horse. And of course, everyone's going and moving. My horse isn't even moving. They have to give me a stick to hit the poor little guy to get him to move. So there's actually a video of it if you guys want to see. <laughs> Gets sadder the more you watch it. Yeah, yeah, we're, gonna, we're not going to watch that anymore. So, I mean, that was like the highlight. That was actually, not only was that sped up, but that was like the fastest I got that guy moving. So here's my point. Here's why I'm telling you this. I've never ridden a donkey, but I've ridden some not-so-cool horses. And I can tell you one thing. Riding a donkey does not feel as cool as coming in on a stallion. Right? For Jesus to know he is the King of kings, for him to know he is the Messiah, for him to know that he's God, for him to make his entrance while they're praising him, Hosanna, you are a Messiah, for him to come in on a donkey was very significant. I mean, the, the, so the two reasons why it's so important is, is one, the more obvious reason, or, or not the more, the more important reason, was that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy by coming in on a donkey. We read in Zechariah 9.9, it says this, It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So he was fulfilling prophecy when he came in on a donkey. And secondly, um, the, the obvious reason is Jesus was showing great humility 
by riding in on a donkey. Right, and this donkey, this baby donkey, we read, we read in um, the other Gospels that says this baby donkey was never even ridden before. This baby donkey who would have never got used for such glory got to usher in the king. And so here, here's why I'm telling the story to you guys, and here's why we're talking about this, and here's why we're talking about Palm Sunday, because this is really how we can learn um, to set passion in motion in our lives by looking at this story. So real quick, I want to walk you guys through three ways that we can learn to set passion in motion in our lives. So here's the first one, if you're anyone that takes notes. We've got to learn how to carry the king into our lives. We've got to learn how to carry the king in our lives. All right, and here's how we do this. You guys ready? Just be a donkey. It's that simple. Don't get it twisted. Don't be the other word for a donkey. That's bad. Just be a donkey. You know, if we would have read a couple of verses um, previous in Matthew, we would have read that Jesus told his disciples to go and pick out this donkey, to go and get this donkey, this colt. It makes us believe that this donkey, this colt, was chosen by God. That meant that this donkey was made holy because it was set apart to be used for the glory of God. Right? We as Christians are called to be holy. Does anyone have a, I, does anyone have a pen real quick? Throw me a pen. Nice. This pen can be made holy, right? If, I was, if this pen was sitting in my office and I was to take this pen and separate it from the group of other pens and I was to only use this pen, you know, to maybe write scripture, to only use this pen maybe to write my messages or to write in my journal for uh, my, my study time and my Bible, this pen therefore then becomes holy because it is taken to be set apart to be used for only the glory of God. Right? Anything can be made holy when it's set apart and used to glorify God only. Which is why we as Christians are called to be holy. We're called to be set apart to glorify God with our lives. That's what it means to be holy. And this donkey was made holy. Here you go. You don't need it? Okay. <laughs> um, and here's what's encouraging for us to remember, right? God, he doesn't call us to be great in order to be used. He just calls us to be humble so that he can work through us. He just calls us to be a donkey. I don't know, maybe some of us, maybe we just need to learn to take a bite of humble pie sometimes and remember all we're called to be in this life as Christians is to just be a donkey. We're supposed to just carry the king into our lives to allow him to work through us, to do his work. Um, for example, kind of how this looked for me in my life, just recently, um, last week we had a dodgeball tournament. With the high schoolers, and it was awesome. It was a, it was, we had a really awesome night. Um, leading up for the, next, for the couple weeks previous to the dodgeball tournament, um, I probably handed out like hundreds of flyers, like hours cutting flyers. Uh, I went to Endercom and handed out a bunch. Um, I actually got kicked out of Endercom while I was hanging out, which is kind of embarrassing. I uh, went to the other high school, uh, handed out flyers there. I was across from Rayleigh's, just handing them out to anyone who looked like a high schooler. Literally like hundreds of flyers. So on the night of Dodgeball, we get there, and we had a good turnout, right? We had about 25, 30 students there. Um, but as I looked around, you know, there was not, no one was, I'm pretty sure not one, no one was there who I handed a flyer to. It was all students who invited their friends to come, which don't get me wrong, that was a huge win. That's what we wanted. That's the whole reason we did the tournament. But, you know, for my own selfish, you know, <laughs> reason, I'm like, man, I feel like I just put in so many hours, you know, cutting flyers and doing all that work, and I just feel like it didn't work out. So we get to the end of the night, and um, we had a couple students accept Jesus for the first time. 
which is such an amazing moment, such an eternal moment where angels are celebrating in heaven. God is in that moment with tears of joy because the one that was lost from the 99 is found. And it just, you know, it, it just humbled me a lot. Like, who, who am I really? I'm just a donkey here to carry in the king to do his work. That's all I'm called to be. And really just thinking about the whole, the whole night was, was amazing. When I mean, we had a full worship team there, that was an adventure worship team. Um, we, had, we had some shepherds from Shepherd's Ministry there with us. Um, all of our leaders who serve in our, in our student ministry were there and serving. And um, man, they're the real donkeys, you guys. They're the, they're the backbone of why we have so many events that are successful because they're willing to just be donkeys. They're willing to love students and to just step in and say, hey, how can I carry the king in to do his work? That's what it means to be a donkey. And for us to remember that, you know, God, all he wants from us is just to be humble and available. He just wants us to be humble and available. And he has chosen you to bring forth his kingdom if we're willing to be humble as a donkey. So if we're willing to do that, I think we're ready for the second one which is to follow the king into our community. Follow the king into our community. And I wanted to check out this video of um, the great theologian and prophet Bono from YouTube. Check this we, video out. God may well be with us in our mansions on the hill. I hope so. He may, will, may well be with us in all manner of controversial stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing we can all agree, all faiths, all ideologies, is that God is with the vulnerable and the poor. God is in the slums, in the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunity and lives. And God is with us if we are with them. I mean, are we, are we following the king into our community? You know, are we out loving our neighbors like we talked about for weeks leading up to this in our series, Blessed? Are we inviting literally every single person we can to Easter, our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, that random guy you see sitting at Starbucks every week, knowing that just one invite can have an eternal impact on someone's life? And I want, I want to read you guys this quote um, from John Stott, because I think this quote just preaches itself. Um, let, me, let me read it to you guys. Here's what he says. He says, God intends us to penetrate the world. Christian salt has no business to remain snugly in elegant little ecclesiastical salt cellars. Our place is to be rubbed into the secular community as salt is rubbed into meat to stop it going bad. And when society goes bad, we Christians tend to throw up our hands in pious horror and reproach the non-Christian world. But should we not rather reproach ourselves? One can hardly blame insulted meat for going bad. It cannot do anything else. The real question to ask, where is the salt? So you partly want to know how to find passion in your life? Again, by the words of Bono, then stop asking God to bless what you're doing and get involved in what he is doing because it is already blessed. I mean, it's exciting to see what's been going on here at Adventure, how Adventure as a church, how we've been trying to be a donkey out blessing this community. Uh, For you guys that have been here, you know that we've been trying to raise um, funds to build a tiny home 
what these tiny homes are is we're, um, we're able to give them to the homeless. We're targeting specifically homeless veterans. And so we raise money, and we've been working on one of them. And I think it's getting pretty close to being done. What's even more awesome news is we have enough now to start building a second one. So it's just it's exciting to see, um, to see how we can be out blessing the community. If you guys have been here in the past couple weeks, you've probably seen all those duffel bags over in the lobby, uh, maybe over in the hospitality room. Um, those, are our, those are our sweet bags. And what they are, they're duffel bags for us to give to um, kids in foster care so they can actually have a bag to carry their stuff in and not use trash bags. And so we originally wanted to uh, raise enough to uh, make and fill um, 30 of them, and we were able to fill 80 of them. And so it was just, uh, you know, an awesome, awesome thing. And so here's the deal. Right? If you, you, to figure out how do you do this, right? How, where, where is God calling me to bless my community? How do I do this? I think you just got to ask yourself this question, right? How is the Spirit calling you to get involved? Student ministry. That's how. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> but really, though, I mean, really, we're, um, you know, if you, if you have a heart to want to just love students and willing to be a donkey, we're always looking for people to serve in our middle school, our high school, even our young adults group. Um, and really, as simple as that, just use, all you have to do is just show up and be willing to be a donkey. And I encourage you to come and talk to me after service, because we are. We, I mean, we were always looking to build a bigger team, because um, the stronger we are together, the more we can be used by God. So where is the Spirit calling you to get involved? And so here's the third thing I want to tell you guys today. Um, it's to be willing to welcome the King in His church. Welcome the King in His church. You know, I think a lot of times as Christians, I think sometimes we get confused about what Christianity is supposed to be. Right? Sometimes we look at Christianity and think it's supposed to be just this religion and forget that it's really a movement. You know, Jesus didn't come to establish a new religion. He came to connect us into a relationship with God, and it's, and it's been moving as a movement. And I don't know about you guys, but being a part of a movement is just more exciting. There's more passion when you know you're part of a movement. That's what Jesus came. He didn't come to start something new. He didn't come to establish a religion, but he came to establish a movement that is connecting people eternally into a relationship with the Father. And you know, us being together, you know, we're, we're a church because we're together, right? We're not a church because we're in a building. We're not a church because the cross is out there, even though that identifies who we are. But we're a church because we are together. I read in Scripture um, that together, it says together we are temples of God. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you, read this with me, and you are that temple. And what's even more cool, us individually, we're God's temple. Us individually, we get to carry the spirit of God in, in ourselves. Here's what it says in a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians. It says, uh, do you not know that your are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Our adventure is not our church. It is Jesus' church. And when we're willing to give our finances and our time to the church, I hope we realize that it really is not ours to begin with. Um, you know, you can kind of look at this church, you know, we're, we're kind of like a self-sustaining club. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're self-sustaining ourselves. 
All the, all the ties that we that come into this church, it's what goes to all the different ministries that, that um, happen in this church. It's what goes to all the staff in order for them to give all of their time to really serving this church. It's what allows us to do awesome things in our compassion ministry, like tiny homes and sweet bags. 10% of all the ties we get in goes to our missions. And we have missions that are worldwide um, where we're funding. And I really encourage you, if you want to know more how to get involved with that, um, either talk with Meredith or stop at the info table um, because there's awesome stuff happening with the missions that we're, that we're serving. And as we continue to be a church that's inviting the city into our church, especially right now as, as, we, as we prayed for this morning with everything going on, I think, I think the city needs some hope. And as we're inviting the city into our church, I hope we realize we're not just inviting them into a church service. We're inviting them into Jesus. As we begin to invite our friends, our family, our coworkers, people we don't even know, we're not saying, hey, come to my church. We're saying, hey, come to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be as a church. And here's what I want to make this last point. I mean, pretty much everything, really everything I've said up to now is just to really make you guys this one point. Just this one point I want you guys to walk away knowing this morning, right? You want to know how to find passion in your life? We got to stop asking the question, you know, what can Jesus do for me? And we got to start asking, what can Jesus do through me? The people that were praising Jesus, yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are our God, you are our King, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. They were praising Jesus because they were going like, oh yeah, what is Jesus about to do for me? He's about to put us, he's about to put us on the map, you know, like he was like, they were praising Jesus thinking, what can he do for me? Which is why just a week later, when their expectations weren't met for who Jesus was going to be for them, they were the very same people who were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. We've got to start asking the question, what can Jesus do through me? What can he do, th- for, what can he do through me in my life? What can he do through me in my community? And what can he do through me in his church? So that's just my prayer for you guys this morning. That together we can start praying, hey, Jesus, what can you just do through me? Make me a donkey. I just want to carry you into my life, into my community, into your church, so that you can do your work. God has chosen you to bring forth this kingdom. We just got to start praying, God, what can you do through me? Let me pray for us. Lord, Father, um, Lord, we're just so thankful that you love us so much. For a lot of us, Lord, we, we, we want to be used by you, but sometimes, you know, we don't always do it perfectly. And that's okay, God. You don't call us to be great. In fact, the more humble we are, the more we can humble ourselves to just be a donkey, the bigger impact you're going to start working through us. Lord, make us bold. It, to, to follow you with passion, it takes us to be bold. And I pray you just put a fire in us. Lord, as we realize that we're pushing a movement here, we're pushing a movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray you set us on fire to go and, and continue this movement, Lord. And it's not even us working. It's a movement that your spirit is working. It's your spirit who's going to fall upon the city. You're just, you're just asking us to, to be donkeys, to carry you to do your work. So Lord, let us find passion in that. Lord, fill us with your spirit and let us find passion to do your work. 
um, with everyone's eyes closed and, and heads bowed, um, I don't know, I, I, maybe there's someone in here this morning that goes, you know what, I want to be a part of that Jesus movement, but I've never done it before. If you're near this morning, you go, you know what, yes, for the first time, I want to accept Jesus in my life. I want to be a part of this movement. Um, you can do that now as a way to raise your hand to say, you know what, Jesus, I do, I want you. And with all of our eyes closed, I want to just, um, Lord, I want to just pray for your blessing over us. Lord, we praise you, God. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and we say amen.